shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That is the question the writer of Hebrews asked us last week. And the answer, quite frankly, is we cannot. There is no escape outside the salvation made available through the Son of God. The prophets can't save us. The angels can't save us. Only the Son can save us. But some might ask, do we really need to be saved? And if we do, what is it that we need to be saved from? Well, the writer continues by answering the questions he knew that we would raise. He says, yes, we do need to be saved. We need to be saved from failure, from shame, from death, and from sin. And through Christ, we can be saved from them all. Through him, we have so great a salvation that we dare not neglect it. Through Christ, we are saved from failure. Picking up our study in Hebrews chapter 2, ready for verse 5 and continuing. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking, but one is testified somewhere, saying, What is man that thou rememberest him, or the son of man that thou art concerned about him? Thou hast made him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, and hast appointed him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not Subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him. For whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Now, admittedly, the book of Hebrews is a bit hard to follow at times. And when we read that, our first response, after I've led into it, is, what does that have to do with our failure? Well, it has everything to do with our failure. Because verses 6 through 8 are talking about us. You know, God did not set angels over the earth. He set man over creation. Before he made us, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the first the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And after we were formed, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. You know, when David was later reflecting on the wonder of creation and our place in it, he wrote in the eighth Psalm when he says, 
When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God. It's the same word that can be translated angels in Hebrew. What is man that thou hast made him a little lower than angels, and dost crown him with glory and majesty? Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Man was created to rule over the earth. He was crowned with glory and honor and told to subdue all things. However, as the author of Hebrews notes, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Well, why not? Why aren't things subjected to us? Because of sin. Man fell from his position of glory and honor. He rebelled against his creator. And creation therefore rebelled against him. That's why the world is in such a mess today. That's why we have sickness and disease and disasters. That's why we have ecological crises. That's why men act more like animals than the crown of creation made in the image of God. We failed. We failed to become what God created us to be. We failed to live up to our potential, and we lost our position. As a result, we were doomed to a life of failure and frustration. But Jesus came to regain for us our lost glory and honor. And through him, we will one day reign over a new world that has been freed from the consequences of our sin. Just knowing that enables us to face life's frustrations and failures for what they now are, temporary setbacks, nothing more. Because of Christ, we know a better day is coming. He saved us from the eternal consequences of our failure. And he did so becoming like us, so he could pay the penalty for our failure. And that penalty, of course, was losing the right to live in the presence of our Creator. The penalty was death. So Jesus took on the form of man. He allowed himself to become for a little while lower than the angels. And through suffering and death, he became the perfect sacrifice for our sin, the author of our salvation. He saved us from eternal failure. And he therefore saved us from shame. Verses 11 through 13. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will sing thy praise. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. We may have failed. We may have dropped the ball, as it were. But we're still on the winning team 
and we still get to pose with the trophy. Obviously, that's stretching me with those athletic analogies. But in winning the game, Jesus made us winners as well. And he's not ashamed to call us teammates, to call us brethren. We're family. We're family. We have the same father. Now, it is true that we disappointed our father. We failed our father. We rebelled against our father. But Jesus is the big brother who interceded on our behalf. The big brother who made everything right for us in the family of God. And in doing so, he showed us that our Heavenly Father was a forgiving Father. He got us singing praises to him. He taught us to trust him. He got us to come back into the family as redeemed children of God. And so we're back and we've been forgiven. Through Christ, we've been sanctified, made holy and acceptable to God. And since Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren, we no longer have any need for shame in the presence of our Father. Yes, we failed him, and we might fail again. But we have a big brother who covers for us, who loves us enough to make things right for us. So while we may be disappointed by our personal failure, we are not ashamed of who we are. We are the redeemed children of God. We've been saved from failure and shame. And we've been saved from death. Verses 14 and 15. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death. He might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Jesus took on flesh in order to die. As Almighty God, he couldn't die, but as a man, he could. So Jesus became like us to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sinfulness. And then he arose, victorious over death, to render powerless the one who had the power of death, the one who led us into death and held us Captive to it by robbing us of any hope for anything but death. For if death is all we have to look forward to, and without Christ it is, life itself becomes meaningless. There is no point to anything, anything, if everything ends in death. Life becomes, as Shakespeare so eloquently put it, a tale told by an idiot. 
full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. But Jesus broke death's hold on us when he arose from the grave. He broke Satan's stranglehold on life. He freed us from the fear of death. Because we now know it's possible to live again. And we have the assurance that through Christ we will. Now, since we lost our original innocence and our original home, we still have to go through a physical death. But death's sting is gone, it's not the end. It's a new beginning. It's a passageway into eternal life. It's the exchange of that which is mortal for that which is immortal. We've been saved from eternal separation from our Heavenly Father and a meaningless life on earth. We've been saved from death. And we've been saved from sin. Verses 16 through 18. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Now, Jesus didn't come to earth to help angels. He came to help us. To help us find victory over sin. And in order to do that, he had to become like us. He needed to walk in our shoes. He needed to know what we go through. And it was essential that we know that he knows what we go through. For only then would we be comfortable coming to him for help. Only then would we trust him to be a merciful high priest as well as a faithful high priest. Only then would we be confident he would be merciful to us and faithful to the demands of justice before God. And we need a priest who can be both. For only as a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God is he able to make propitiation for our sins. Only then is he able to act as a go-between. Only then is he able to appease an angry and offended God. Only then would he be able to bring us back together again. And this he did by paying the penalty for our sins. But he wants to do more than just pay for our sins. He wants to enable us to live lives that are no longer dominated by sin. He wants to come to our aid when we are tempted, 
to help us find victory over sin. And he knows how hard that is. He himself was tempted to disobey the Father's will, to avoid the suffering he knew he would have to endure in order to save us. But he overcame that temptation. And he can help us overcome our temptations as well. But we have to let him. We have to turn to him. We have to seek his help. We have to rely on his strength. Fighting temptation is not easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus to go to Calvary, but he did it. And it won't be easy for us to overcome temptation, but we can if we will allow his Holy Spirit to empower us. And we will be motivated to do so when we realize all he gave up to be able to come to our aid. He gave up his life to be able to live within us. When we fully comprehend that, we're willing to give up what we want. We're willing to fight temptation and to say no to sin. So if we'll let him, Jesus will not only save us from the consequences of sin, he will save us from sin itself. He will save us from a sinful lifestyle and all the consequences of such. Indeed, we have so great a salvation that we dare not neglect it. Through Christ, we can be saved from failure. We can be saved from shame. We can be saved from death. And we can be saved from sin. Without him, we have nothing. And can do nothing about it. We're doomed to failure, shame, death, and sin. But with Jesus, thank God, I'm saved. And I hope you are too. If you're not, you can be. Come. Confess your faith in him. Be cleansed of your sin. And discover so great a salvation. Come as we stand.